Well, this morning we come to um, the last sermon in Hebrews, so it's been quite a journey through this book. It's been an amazing book for me. Um, the truths that are encapsulated in this book, and as the Lord has opened these up to us, as He's shown us a glimpse of who His Son is, I really just pray that each of us knows that God is the God who rules this world in real time, in your life and in mine. We are not alone. We don't have to turn to what the world wants us to turn to. We can live in the middle of this world, but living in the power of Jesus Christ into this world which needs Him. So, we're going to read from Hebrews chapter 13, verses 2 to 25. If you've got a Bible, Hebrews 13, verses 2 to 25. That's not right. Verses 20 to 25. Alright, verse 20 to 25. It's a beautiful benediction. Now, may the God of peace, who brought up from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, and ratified an eternal covenant with his blood, may he equip you with all you need for doing his will. May He produce in you through the power of Jesus Christ every good thing that is pleasing to Him. All glory to Him forever and ever. Amen. I urge you, dear brothers and sisters, to pay attention to what I've written in this brief exhortation. I want you to know, this is a PS now, I want you to know that our brother Timothy has been released from jail. If he comes here soon, I will bring him with me to see you. Greet all your leaders and all the believers there. The believers from Italy send you their greetings. May God's grace be with you all. Don't know how you end letters, if you still write letters or emails. Um, some of us don't give it a bit of a thought, we just kind of end. Calvin. Or your computer will do that bit. You just write your email. Or perhaps you've got your favorite ending that you use if you still write letters. I like John Malcolm's uh, ending that he uses when he sends an email. In his grip. I like it. Well, this benediction or ending to this letter is one of the most loved and famous ones in the whole of Scripture. And it's, hymns have been written about it. We're going to sing one straight after. Songs have been written about it, it's been printed on postcards, uh, it's used daily in chaplain, with chaplains as they go through the hospitals, they pray this prayer over um, people in the hospital, prison chaplains pray it over prisoners, it's used in daily services all over the world in all kinds of languages, believers all over the world love this prayer. It's been used as screensavers, it's on Google. It's been even printed out as wall hanging as in, in the kitchen to remind us of what God has done for us. This is a beautiful benediction. And it's the end of this book of Hebrews or the letter that was read to the churches. It was, it was set up as a letter to be circulated around the churches of the then known Christian world. And it would take around about an hour to read. Um, as a sermon, they had longer sermons than we used to today with our 20, 25 minute ones. Um, 
this was read as one sitting and one letter to the congregations. So how do you end a letter with such weighty and important themes in it? We, if you glance back in your scriptures at um, the first few chapters, we open chapter 1 with this beautiful picture of the cosmic Christ, the creator of all the universe, the one who sustains the universe in his hands. And as we saw as we went through, the one who was sustaining the universe, even while he as a baby was being formed in his mother's womb, he was sustaining the universe. This letter which addressed those who were drifting away from a love of Jesus Christ back into Judaism and all the legalism that went with it, the bells and smells. A letter which addresses compromise in the church, those that were starting to do things the way the world wanted them to do things and to take shortcuts with the truth. How it addressed faith in action and what that looks like and how Jesus Christ can help us in that and how is, He is the Supreme One who is there for us. And how that Jesus Christ, that same Supreme Lord, was the one who brought us the new covenant in Christ. The one which gives us hope every day. And there are many more themes that came out. How do you end this letter? There's only one way to really end this letter. And that's help. Help us, God. Help us to apply these truths. And so you end this letter with a prayer, with a benediction. Because without the help of Almighty God and without His grace in our lives, His love shown to us when we were actually doing the opposite and running away from Him, all human effort just falls short of God's holy standard. And so this is one of the most beautiful and powerful benedictions of all Scripture. And it was meant to be read aloud, and we will be reading it aloud too at the end of the service. Singing it aloud actually. And as this prayer recalls some of the major themes of the letter, one of the questions, the main question that is asked is, God, equip your people. We'll come to that now. Lord, equip your people. And the word is to adjust. Lord, adjust us. Make us complete. Make us perfect. And who is to do that equipping? God's to do that equipping. So this is no shortcut. See you later. Ending to a letter. This is a meaty and well thought out and loaded ending to a deep felt loving letter. And it prays and asks God, activate your truth in your believers. So let's look at how it's put together. Whose help is being sought? Verse 20. Now may the God of peace, who brought up from the dead our Lord Jesus Christ, the great shepherd of the sheep, and ratified an eternal covenant with his blood... Who's being addressed here? The God of peace. The one who brings peace. The one who seeks peace with his people. He doesn't just seek peace from us. He brings it to us. How? He brought up from among the dead, says the literal translation. He brought up from those who were dead, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Jesus Christ. Don't miss it. Our Lord. L-O-R-D, capitals. Yahweh. Almighty God. He brought up from among the dead, Almighty God. Think of that seeming contradiction. God brought up God from the dead. 
Why? Because he is the peacemaker. Men had failed miserably. But God is the peacemaker. And the law, the law had pronounced a death sentence over Jesus and he had to die. And so Jesus allowed himself to die. The creator of the universe allowed himself to die. He allowed himself and it's complicated now because he was involved in this too. He, made, he was made alive. And he was restored to the Father. And in return, and in doing so, he restores us to the Father. This is the God of peace who brings us peace. Who else is being addressed here? It's the faithful God. It says here, if Christ was not resurrected, our redemption would not have been completed. Think if Christ had remained in the grave. All was lost. He was just another prophet. But he was raised from the dead. And our redemption is therefore made complete. But the resurrection was only the first part as proof of this recon reconciliation with God. Why? Because others had also been made alive. And did they bring reconcilia reconciliation? No, they hadn't. So it was only a first part of that reconciliation with God. There was a second part that was critically important, and that was that Jesus was raised, says our text, by the blood of the eternal covenant. That word by means he was raised through the blood of the eternal covenant. What was happening there? When Jesus was raised through the blood of the covenant, God was ratifying the covenant, that eternal covenant with mankind. He was putting his official stamp on it. He was making it valid. He was saying, my son died so that you can live. I, almighty God, say so. He was ratifying that covenant with us. And therefore, the resurrection and that ratification through the blood is what gives us hope today. You staying with me? You've been with us in Hebrews. This is not milk food anymore. This is kind of heavy meat stuff now. Okay, but I think you're up to it now. And so this eternal covenant is brought about through the blood of Christ. And therefore these two parts, the resurrection and the new covenant in Christ's blood, is what saves you and I and what sets Christ apart as the only Savior of the world. The only one. So God's a God of peace. He's a faithful God. He's also the compassionate God. Our text says, He brought up the great shepherd of the sheep. He made him alive. Who is the shepherd of the sheep? The one who cares for his sheep. The one who saves them. The one who nurtures them. and The one who leads you and I. The one who protects us. It's not the first shepherd Israel had. If you look over the Old Testament, and Hebrews covers a broad spectrum of Scripture. History. Israel had had many shepherds. Think of the judges. We're just doing that in our men's group now. It starts well. Kind of a good judge, and from there it just gets bad. Imperfect people, but God had put them in place. And then the kings. Think of King Saul. A mighty man of God with big stature, but didn't last long. And then King David, the adulterer, imperfect men. 
But God had put them in place, and it was to point forward to this great shepherd who would come, the perfect shepherd, the one who would lead his people perfectly, the one who could love them, look after them, protect them perfectly, the one who would have no sin, the one who would look after his flock. And the story didn't end there, you see, because Hebrews was written to people in the New Testament. Christ had come. And you and I are pulled into the picture there. We are part of that New Testament church. And God has still put under shepherds under the great shepherd. That's why I'm standing up here this morning. But God has put imperfect people in place. Because there is a perfect Savior. There is a perfect shepherd. And we as under shepherds are held to account under him. He is the great shepherd. No one leader, I don't care how big the church, is the great shepherd. He is the great shepherd, the one that we are accountable to. And so there's this God that we're appealing to, this one that this prayer of the saints is addressed to, the God of peace, the faithful God, the compassionate God, the great shepherd of the sheep. Well, that's the one who's being addressed. So let's look at verse 21. What do we ask for in this prayer? What's the prayer appealing for? It's appealing for equipping. Verse 21, may he equip you with all you need for doing his will. Now, we think of the word equip as like a bulldozer or a digger. You just take off one bit and put on another bit and then you can do the next job. Well... Yes, God helps us in many different ways too. Because He is the resource-filled God. So in any situation, the Lord can be there. It doesn't just have to be church stuff. It can be life stuff. God still equips us to do His will. Why? Because He gives us what? His power. And there's what we need. He gives us His power. This word equip is the word that athletes use to put their body into proper alignment. Now, think of wrestling, all right? And wrestling used to be a big sport in this time that we are speaking about here, especially among the Greeks. Thank you, I'll take that. Okay. Wrestling was a big thing among the uh, Greeks, and especially in that time of life where we are speaking about here. And do you think what happens in a wrestling ring... um, These people are chucking each other around and they're getting whacked and their bodies are being put out of alignment. And the word here is to put your body back into proper alignment again. To to put it into proper condition. How? By restoring and completing it is a full sense of that word. So we're praying, Lord, put us back into a proper condition again. Restore us, complete us. You see, a lot of these Jewish believers that this letter specifically was addressed to you in the first place, they might have had an inadequate view of Jesus Christ and, and they realized that and they realized, Lord, fix my view of Jesus Christ. Adjust me. Or they might have walked away for a while and be tempted to go back into Judaism and, and they come to a point where on their knees they say, Lord, I've messed up my Christian testimony because of what I've done. Lord, just fix me again. Restore me. That's the word we're looking for here. Equip us, Lord. With what? Well, the rest of Scripture tells us what God gives us to, so that we can do His will. It's the fruit of the Spirit. It's just some of those things, and I'll just list them for you real quickly. Lord, give us love again. Give me joy. Give me peace. 
patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. I need that one. Lord, give it to me. Adjust me for your service. Why are we to be, to, to be equipped? For what? So we can be better Christians? Hey, I'm equipped. I'm a better believer. No. There's a little doing word here. It's for doing His will. It's a practical word. You see, we don't belong to a tick box religion where if you look right, you are right. And it's not all about just if you do right, you are right either. Because that's called legalism. That's what Judaism was pushing to. It's not all about a once-off decision and then you're in the boat and you can float. It's a way of life before God. Lord, equip me to live the Christian life your way. What are we equipped to do? Equipped for doing, says our text, His will. You see, you and I by nature, and you'll know very well what you like, because I know what I'm like. By nature, we aren't fit to do His work, because we fall short all the time. I try, and I try very hard, but I fall short. And that's why I need God to equip me to get past my human nature, to help me with His grace and His power, to enable me, is the old word that used to be used in the King James, to enable me to do your work. Work which God counts as good. Why? Because of one factor only. Why is our work counted as righteousness? Why? Because of Jesus Christ. And where are you and I? We are in Christ. That's it. So Lord, equip us to do your will in Christ. And what will the results of that be, says verse 21. May he produce in you through the power of Jesus Christ every good thing that is pleasing to him. Look at that word. Every good thing that is pleasing to Him, all glory to Him forever and ever. What is this blessing that God puts on us? He produces in us what? It's God working in us. He produces in us various things. Who's the receiving party? Me. God does in me a work. I'm the receiving one. And he does this through the power of Jesus Christ. What's your situation like that you can't handle? Well, can Christ handle it? Is his power in your life? If it is, you will be able to get through those situations because God has equipped you with the power of Christ in you. To do what? To do every good thing that is pleasing to him. Now, I don't know about your life, but I know certain people in this congregation... Your life's in confusion at this moment. You didn't see the sickness coming or the situation coming. How's God in control of that? You see, the problem is we need to be equipped with the power of Jesus Christ in us to see with the sight that God sees. We see with human sight, but the one who is in us sees with divine sight. And he will do everything good for us. That is according to God's will. And so what do we need to do? Just trust. I think of my friend Trev now in the hospital. None of us saw that coming. Just suddenly get sick like it. A young healthy guy like it. 
What do we do? How do we respond? Lord, I don't understand, but I trust because you have divine sight. You've said you will equip me to do everything good in your will. Lord, use the situation and bring good of it because you know how to do that. You're the divine, all-powerful God. And therefore, this benediction ends with all glory to him forever and ever Amen. And what is the word Amen? Come on, you Baptists, you all know that one. It means, let it be so, Lord. It's the only way to end. Well, we're through Hebrews, but there's still that little PS. And I just want to quickly go in there. It's probably is no, there's no three-point sermon in these two little PSs, I promise. Right? Here it is. Are you listening? Because it'll be over soon. I just want to update you on Timothy. Yes, he's been released from prison, says the writer of the Hebrews. And if I come your way, I'll bring him with you. Done. No more. No other the the theology there. Another bit of peace. Please greet all the Christians, those Jewish Christians in Jerusalem and wherever this letter is read. Who's the greeting from? Christians in Rome. Italian ones. Done. No other theology there. All right. What do we do with this passage? Verses 22 and 25 tells us what we do with this passage. I urge you, dear brothers and sisters, to pay attention to what I've written in this brief exhortation. May God's grace be with you all. There's two things there. He says you have to pay attention to it. What does that mean? What has been expounded to us through this letter? God's truth. What do we do with truth? We understand it, put it in the cupboard, put it away and just carry on with life, right? No. What do we do with truth? Truth always demands what? Obedience. Action. It's not just there to inspire us. Yes, it is there to inspire us. But once we understand, it says, now listen and obey. Now, if you need to go back, and I need to go back in the book of Hebrews and see what God has been talking to us about, we need to do so, so that we can listen and obey. We can't just close our Bibles and say, that's it, new series starting, great. We have to listen and obey to what God has taught us. That's how we respond to truth. And to help us in that is that last verse, may God's grace be with you. Because as you go through these big truths, guess what? You're going to find out how short you come of what you need to do again. And you're going to say, Lord, please help me. I need your grace to get through because you will equip. You will repair my life. You will restore what is not perfect. You will make me perfect in Christ. You've promised to do so. Lord, help me through your grace. And it's going to look like this. It's a 100%, 100% partnership between you obeying God and His truth and God working in your life. Philippians 2, 12 to 13 sums up our response. This is the Apostle Paul writing to the Philippians, by the way. And he says this, and it sums up how we respond to this prayer in Hebrews. Work hard, says the Apostle, to show the results of your salvation doesn't end there. Obeying God with deep reverence and fear. Why? 
For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases Him. What a beautiful summary. How's all this possible? Only through the blood of Jesus Christ. My friend, if you are trying to do this without the power of the blood of Jesus Christ in you, you are caught up in a tick box legalistic religion. Get out. Otherwise, you're doing exactly what those Hebrews were doing. And we're warned to cling to Christ in everything we do, right? Let's pray. Lord, our Heavenly Father, thank you for this book of Hebrews. Thank you that through the scope of this book, we've seen the majesty of you, our Creator God. Lord Jesus, the one who holds the worlds and the universe in your hands. And Lord, we've seen the other side where you work in our souls through your Spirit. And you enable and you equip and you fix and you make ready and then you use us in everyday life. But Lord, help us to depend on you in that obey, obedience. Because the moment we try in our own strength, we're going on a legalistic exercise, trying to please God in our own strength. Save us from legalism, we pray. And Lord, uphold us and equip us to do your will in the life you've put us here in Wanganui and in our communities, in our families, a work which will please you because it's being done in the power and with the love of our Lord Jesus Christ the Lord. Help us in this, we pray, for your glory. And God's people said with Scripture, Amen.